back earlier than expected. Listen, man, this is what I love so much about F1 is you can wake up on a Tuesday morning here on the North American side of the world. And just like that, we've got something to talk about. I think that's like any sport, but F1 is a little bit more fun. I, I would say to talk about because there's so much speculation and so much goes behind it, bro. We we were just on talking about our boy Giovanazzi. Oh, bro, do we'll do a little tribute episode to him when the season's over. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're not fans, but you know, we like to say his name Giovanazzi. But I feel bad for him. So, what do you think? Are you gonna have a uh, maybe a little bit more of an interest in following Alpha next year? For sure, I'm I'm of Chinese descent, so you know it's gonna be big. Um, how do you feel about the whole move? Well. First, I'm going to try to say it. It's going to take me a few times, but it's Wan Yu Zhou. Yeah, Wan Yu Zhou. Very excited. F1's first ever full-time Chinese driver. That's big for the sport. It is big. I mean, anytime you bring anything Chinese into the equation, like Yao Ming or anybody, it always grows the sport exponentially. I don't know if... um, I don't know how much it'll grow, though, because it's so different. It's not like... He left China at five. Yeah. I was raised in the UK. It's hard to say, like, it's going to be the same thing as Yao Ming because basketball is, like, for lack of better terms, anybody can play basketball. Not everybody can race. But so, maybe he can have an effect that Lewis has had on, you know, people. No, no, I more meant, like, I don't know how much fans will bring. Like, I don't think it'll have the monopoly effect that Yao Ming had on NBA. Like, I think it'll obviously grow the sport. But I think because basketball can be played, and chi- obviously China has a lot of different parts as the third world part of China, the first world part of China. It's a lot more relatable for basketball. I still think it'll grow the game. And I think it's beautiful for uh, F1. I think it's great for China. How crazy um, do you think the fandom will be around him? For when the he Chinese goes to Shanghai? Yeah, when he goes to Shanghai, it's going to be nuts. I'm just very shocked that Giovinazzi didn't keep his seat because, I mean, I've been following him all year, just like not heavily, but he's always been top 15. And, you know, an alpha male, to me, that's pretty impressive. Do you, well, I'm sure you saw Giovinazzi's reaction and he said, you know, aside from the talent and all that, unfortunately, F1 is driven by dollars. And I think Giovinazzi is quick to say that the reason he's lost his seed to Joe is because of the money. Well, yeah, that's no secret, man. He, he I mean, theoretically, Guan Yu can bring more than $30 million, bro. Like China, China is a massive market in terms of its, its capital. GP, right? Or whatever it is. I can't even think right now. GDP, but yeah. I mean, GDP. they got this big money. It is a massive population. And I think that's the the side that Alpha sees in it. They're bringing in a, a young, He has the most talent. commercial appeal of any driver. Like, if he wanted a hot seat and Mick was not committed through Ferrari, I'm pretty sure he could take Mick's seat. Because he brings a way more commercial appeal than any single driver that's not like Max or Lewis. I think he brings more commercial appeal than even a guy like Danny Ricardo because he brings a whole continent with him and arguably the the second most populated continent in the world. But also now, think about or this. Sorry, country. Not this continent. is what F1 does for an individual. So, yes, everything you said is true, but up until this morning, not necessarily a big following on social media. We're now seeing his social media blow up almost as if a star is being born. So I think that... Um, not only will he bring in so much uh, of the commercial side of it from China, F1 is now elevating him. And of course, if you pair that with success, he could become a massive figure in the sport. Theoretically, when it's all said and done, from a recognition point and a dollar's point, he may, he may be making more money than Lewis Hamilton in five years. 
one million percent. And you know, when I when the news first broke this morning, and we were talking about, hey, should we jump on? You know, typically you don't really jump on for Alfa Romeo, but this is the side of it that F one's already tapping into. If you go to F one socials, like every post today, and there's multiple posts leading up to um, the recent news with Mercedes challenging, you know, Red Bull, but everything was Guan Yu, Joe. 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 Yeah. And I mean, they had a video about him, his love for the sport. It's like they're creating all this content around him. And it's like, he ain't a Mercedes or Red Bull driver. Bro, he will bring in a lot of dollars. I wonder what F1's Chinese broadcast is going to look like. That's probably going to change. If he's, if he's in there for five years, first of all, he's got to keep a seat, right? He's got to perform. I mean, if he's, I think if he's a bottom performer, I would, I'd probably see Haas picking him up if he's bringing them dollars. But the other thing is, dollars will always come maybe initially, but in any business around the world, if results don't follow, those dollars will dry out. So I don't he can so. ride that coattail for a little bit, but he will have to perform. I don't think so, bro. The amount of money in China, I think he'll be able to find sponsorship for a good three, four years. Yeah, that's that's fair. But I think he'll if be he's, say, terrible through th- five years, it will change. And I, I don't think so. I think he's a young emerging talent that has performed well. And I don't follow F2, but when you look at the, the race results, Yeah, if you look at the track there. record, he's talented. I mean, you're not bringing on a bad driver, right? I think he's talented enough where he'll get a shot for three to four years. And listen, we've all been, I mean, we've seen what mainland China does to economies. Like Chinese money has lifted up the economy of pretty much everywhere in Canada. Do we see Alfa Romeo's budget increase drastically? Well, I mean, do you think Giovinazzi is bringing in money? I don't think Giovinazzi is bringing in much money because um, one, Italy is a huge motorsport country, but it's Ferrari. So why would Dallas follow Gio Venaz when they could just go to the Tafosi? I feel you, but at the same time, like having an Italian driver is still special. It's special, but when Italian motorsport is so rich and it's all about winning, so it ain't following Gio Venaz. Maybe a maybe a, a few dollars. I'm, I'm, sure, I, I'm sure he doesn't get sponsorship dollars. If that's what we're ch- the conversation is, and yeah, he's not getting money for it, but. I think people do take pride that he's an Italian driver because they, they're what's the, is he the most successful Italian driver? Because I can't even name a successful Italian driver. I gotta go. I gotta go deep into the archives to to. to, to but that's my whole point. Is like that. he's the most relevant. I mean, Michael Schumacher was loved by Italians, but he was German. Yeah, so I think Giovinazzi is probably the most relevant Italian driver in the last what ten years. We gotta we years? gotta refresh ourselves because I don't want us to sound dumb here, but. Yeah, he's definitely. I don't know of it. Another Italian driver doesn't in the last 10, 15 years, right? I mean, he's also had a seat for what three, four years. Mm -hmm. He's been. I mean, I don't think. I don't think. I mean, it's fact. He didn't lose it because of talent. Yeah, I mean that when you can finish thirteenth, twelfth in Alfa Romeo, when you know Valtteri Bottas is not even is not even finishing two or one in the fastest car, then like. I actually think he's as good as Valtteri. I'll be straight up with you. I'll Giovinazzi? put it on wax. Yeah, I think yeah. he's as good as Valtteri. I think if um, we're looking at who would you rather have, Valtteri or um, Giovinazzi, it's hard to say one or the other. It's pretty obvious why Valtteri's coming, um, just in the fact that he's bringing experience from Mercedes. But if we were to say pure driving skills, I'd probably take Giovinazzi. Well, Giovinazzi showed me that on the second worst team, Right? It's Haas, Alfa Romeo, then Williams, points-wise. 
He is finishing in the top six or seven teams. He's finished between anywhere between 11. I mean, he's finished 10th also. He's got some points, but he, he, he typically finishes 15th or, a, or above with a lot of 13th place finishes. And you know what? He should be 17th, 18th, 16th around there, right? So he's like, he is doing a little bit more with this car, bro. I mean, I don't know. I'll tell you what I'm most excited for with this Alfa Romeo team now is the battle because what's going to happen when Joe out-qualifies his teammate on a Saturday? What happens when happens. he outperforms Valtteri on a Sunday? I don't know what happens this year. It happens next year. I mean, But sorry. they're both going to be in a brand new car. It Really, aside from the experience, it's an even playing field. That makes so much of a difference. When you hear guys like Charles and Lando and all these young guys, Mick, Nikita's, they all say tire management is such a different sport because in F2, it's not as it's not such a heavy emphasis, right? So I think maybe qualifying, but I don't see happening in a race. Well, I, I can't see happening in a race. That is where the excitement comes from and is because does, there's unknowns. And if it does, we're getting Dale on this podcast. <laughs> oh, 1 million percent. We'll have to get him on to, to talk about Valtteri. His best friend. Yeah, and for, for sure. And I think that is why I'm excited for it. Um, I think that when you look at Alfa Romeo, and for, for those that maybe don't know, up until this summer, Ferrari had a lot of control on who that second driver was. And it was always priority for their junior drivers to be in the second seat. Um, and now with the, the multi-year deal and the commitment from Alfa, you know, the boss there, Fred Vassieu, if that's how you say his name, he had control to go and cast a wide net, and this is a driver that he wants. Okay, so if it was you, are you taking Mick or Z- or Joe? I would take Joe. I'd take Mick. You you know, I only first uh, became aware of Juan Yu when you actually brought it up earlier in the year. You, you had said there's a young tail coming up. And, you know, Mick's already in F1. But, but Mick won F2. Keeps your relationship with Ferrari good. And it's not like Mick doesn't bring sponsorship dollars. He brings 30 million, right? With, with yeah, your, I mean, that's fair. I, I, I'm just, I don't know if... Um, His dad's It's just name. so hard, right, to judge Mick because you can't really judge him in a Haas car. But I don't even mean like that. His dad's name holds the same amount of weight. So he would bring automatic attention because he's driving in Ferrari's junior seat. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like... Now, listen, his dad's name doesn't bring the economy that, that Joe's name brings, but he would bring a lot more press and attention from, like, I guess your traditional F1 fan base if Joe is bringing in your new F1 fan base, like, yeah. potential new market. So, I I mean, I can't say I'd outright pit Mick, but it'd be, a very, it'd be a very interesting discussion. I would lean towards Mick. I mean, you'd have to know a little bit more of the inside workings of what Alpha Romero was trying to achieve and all that stuff, but... I think what Alfa Romeo was really trying to do is if they bring the first Chinese driver and retain them, they'll be the favorite Chinese team for a long time. Like the Houston big, Rockets. Big fan base, yeah. The Houston Rockets are still followed by Chinese people because they drafted Yao Ming. Like that's just the reality of the situation. Now, listen, if he moves on to another team, he's going to take a large fan base. But they will always have Chinese supporters because they took the first risk on one of their own. Yeah, so if you're Alpha, I mean... There's a lot of things pointing in the right direction for for team success. And this is a crazy thing, right? Because if I was at Alpha, right, I think you made the right decision. 
But keeping Gio Venats wasn't the end of the world. So now when I look at the grid and I look at all the teams and I exclude Alpha, if you're a team like Aston Martin, you that's where the mistake is. Like, why not take Joe over Stroll? Well, I will first Think say, about Aston Martin. Think about no, now what it does say, for the brand. I'll put it this way. It makes sense for a lot of teams when I ask them, Martin, because Lawrence Stroll has come on and said he wants to produce a winner. Him making a decision on a money-based move wouldn't make any sense for him. And his son, as much as I hate on him, is pro- is a better driver than Guan Yu right now. I mean, he's had, what, three, four years of experience in F1? So it would just put them backwards. It will sell them a lot more cars. It would get a lot more press around them. But in terms of his five-year plan, it, it would put them back two years, I think. At least a year, yeah. if not two. But I think a team like Alpine should have took them. Like, well, like, what is really Esteban Ocon doing for you? I mean, he did win his first race this year. I know, but, like, put that aside. What is Esteban Ocon really doing for you guys? Like, do you really think Esmond Ocon is a world championship type driver? No, definitely not. I mean, I put Ocon in the same conversation with the Giovanas. Like, they're in they're in that tier. So, Ocon's good. He's talented. I mean, you have to be talented to be one of the top 20 drivers in the world. And let's be real. Ocon's not bringing any real financial backing. But imagine pairing Alonzo with Guan Yu. I mean, that's, that's... You would sell a lot of friggin' tickets. Yeah, and this is where Alpha is going to w- benefit from this, man. Like, it all, automatically, there's a level of interest that I didn't have before to follow this team next year. They made a smart business decision. Did they make a smart, um, what do we call it here? A racing decision? Yeah, that's what we call it. They made a smart business decision, but they didn't make a smart racing decision. We'll find out. Unless he is talented as hell. He has to be talented, man. Like when you talk about it, we talked about this on the last podcast. If you are competitive, if you are one of the top drivers in F2, that means you have earned your right to be one of the top young drivers, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you'll be a good F one driver, but it means you should get a shot. At you should the get crown. a shot. You should get a shot at the crown, right? So, it's not that they made a stupid decision, right? But will he be good? Who knows? But they he, he did fairly earn his spot because when I brought it up, he was actually leading the championship. Oscar Piastri's done really well as of late, and he deserves a shot at the crown too. And I think um, he just signed to Alpine. He signed to Alpine's. Uh, Test road. Well, dra- isn't racer. that coincidence? Because that's where Joe no, yeah. actually last year tested the Alpine, right? In practice, free practice one? I think so. Yeah. So he's signed to their, whatever team it is, they're either as a test driver or um, pilot, junior driver, whatever it is. So he plans on fighting for a scene in 2023. So maybe, he's, maybe Alonzo's plan is 2023. You know, the whole development process is really working for F1. I mean, Next season, we're going to have, I think it's nine drivers that have graduated from F2. But it's always been like that. It was just GP2 was F2 before. Yeah. Like, I was came out know, of GP2. I guess that's that's true. I, I don't know if it's been as prominent. A lot of the guys, everybody goes to GP2 that's made it. I think it's just more prominent because F2 is now actually a subsidiary under of F1. So we're seeing F1. more of it. Yeah, because it's like F1, F2, F3. I think before at G2 was his own, uh, GP2 was his own subsidiary, but you guys can correct me so, if I'm wrong. With Giovanotz quickly making, uh, I mean, announced today that he, fresh off the move, he's going to Formula E. How will we see Giovanotz perform through the last three races of F1? Before we go there, you know what team he's signing to? I didn't see. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see. Okay, so I'll, I'll put this on wax. I said that I think Giovanotz will win Formula E. 
I think when you're racing against Formula One, you are in the best class of drivers. Formula E has a lot of F2 drivers. So I'm going to say that I think he'll win. I think Giovinazzi goes out with a bang. Because, because you never know if yeah. you're going to make your way back, right? Like, at the end of the day, he was a, he, I think he was an impressive driver. Understanding what Alfa Romero has, being the worst team, second worst team in the league, sorry, second worst team in F, F1, he's consistently been between 11 to 15 for most of it. And it's probably closer to 11 and 14, right? So I think, he, I think he's done really well in his stint in F1, especially this year, and I think he's going to finish off with some points in the end of the year. I, I'd like to say the same. I mean, I think there's no point in checking out. You got three races to prove why you belong, and teams are always looking. Yeah, and you know what? Alonzo could retire next year. Uh, Lewis could retire. They could move someone up in the Mercedes seat. Someone could take it to be a lower seat. So it kind of feels sad for Giovinazzi. It kind of feels like he's hitting that Nico Hulkenberg type of Except treatment. he's much younger. Yeah, I mean, Nico Hulkenberg is really good, though, right? Like, he's not like he was a bad driver. I mean, he's you know, doing his thing with Fermi. There's Renault. a lot. Of, you think about it. Hulkenberg, Magnussen, obviously Grosjean. Now we've got Magnuson. Albon still out. Now we've got Giovinazzi. Magnussen was part of that disaster Haas team. <laughs> Yo, yeah. does, we don't want to bring up our boy Gunter's <laughs> big, big blow-up when, when he was mad at them. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to bring that um, up from Drive to Survive. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of drivers that are on the outside looking in, and who knows? You you may never get another shot at F1. You may not because Oscar Piastri is waiting for a seat. I'm sure Dude, the next guy F1 is knocking on the door. Over. Yeah, so who knows? But I do think at the end of the day, uh, Giovinazzi does belong in Formula One. I don't know if he will ever get a shot back, but nothing that I've seen this year tells me he doesn't belong. Like I have question marks about Mick, right? Serious question marks about Mick and Nikita. Well, I think they'll figure it out. Yeah, but you have question marks. Giovinazzi is a mid-tier Formula One driver. He belongs in the tier with my boy Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> so look, before we close out, we got to mention um, the appeal from Mercedes today. Yeah, so tell me. I saw it briefly. What is it? Are they appealing that Max should have a penalty going to the next race? What is yes. it all about? So um, they are challenging... What happened with mm-hmm. Max running Lewis off the track? And they are uh, saying that the stewards didn't have um, the evidence that they're bringing forth at the time of the decision. Well, no, it's it, it's bullshit because when you actually go back and look at it, and a part of my language, they didn't look at Max's trajectory. They didn't look at his his breaking points. They didn't they didn't look at anything. They, they had those angles available. So. No, no, no. They might have them available. Sorry, I think they had them correct. available, and but they, they didn't do any research. Them. They didn't look at his speed. They didn't look at his breaking point. They didn't look at any of that. His velocity. They didn't even look at his steering wheel on the video. I generally think F one wants Lewis Hamilton to, to lose, lose because they would prefer to keep Schumacher at number seven with Lewis. It may hurt F one to have a black driver be the number one driver of all time and have the most championships. So this I'll is put on wax. this is the statement right from Mercedes. They confirm that today they have requested a right of review under Article 14.1.1 of the International Sporting Code in relation to the Turn 4 incident between Car 44 and Car 33 on Lap 48 of the 2021 Brazilian Grand Prix on the basis of new evidence unavailable to the stewards at the time of their decision. 
Yeah, I don't even think it's new evidence because they literally said they didn't check those other points. And if that is new evidence, then hopefully Max gets a penalty. If it should be a penalty, it should be a penalty anywhere. So whether it gets tagged on five seconds... Because you know if it's reversed, Lewis is getting the penalty. Yeah, Lewis is getting the penalty. So So if there is a penalty, I mean... That just swings in Mercedes' favor big time for this race. It does, but at the same time, we have no idea what Qatar looks like. So I'm very excited for this race weekend. It's a new track. It's a new circuit. It's going to bring new fans. I I don't want to spoil the the preview that's coming up in a few days, but I've spent a lot of time looking at this track. I think it has favors for both of them, doesn't it? It's exciting. It's fast. It's long. Isn't that Saudi that's really fast? I think these these last few races Saudi is a fast. six kilometer long one. I think isn't Qatar that kind of like an M? It it all of the corners are still fast. Like I've watched all the virtual laps. Is it um, high speed or mid speed corners? They're mid mid to high. Mid is Red Bull favored. High speed is Mercedes favored. But man, the straight is so long. It's in the middle of the damn desert. There's nothing around it. It's like Area Fifty One. So it's we'll gonna be a night race. So we'll save the rest of it for later, but I'm excited as well. We'll, we'll, do, we'll be back on Thursday morning. Last note. So obviously we don't know. What are your predictions for Zoo next year? Does he score a point? Oh, he definitely scores points. Um, I think that he, um, you know, my prediction is that he finishes a year above both Haas drivers and he finishes the year above... Um, Above one Williams driver. Okay. And how many point like points do you think he scores like on occasions? Does he just have one good finish? I think three? he I think he um I don't think he'll have like one race where he's uh, on a podium, but I think he'll have um you know a handful of races where he gets into that eight through ten. Okay. And does he hit one podium, yes or no? No. Okay, so I got zero podiums. I'm going to build my boy for eight points. And he will have one good qualifying, which we'll find him on Q3. Cool. That's what I'm going to call. Any last words about our boy, Mr. Joe? Listen, I'm excited for him. It's, uh, it's a good day for the sport. It's a good day for the sport. And Valtteri, I hope you don't get beat by this guy, because then I'm just going to have a field day. <laughs> All right, we'll see you Thursday. All right, peace.